Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When it comes to Vladimir Putin, it's well documented that he is a leader surrounded by yes-men. He is almost never challenged, not by his military advisors, not by the Russian people, and political opposition is practically a fairy tale. But for the better part of a decade, there has been one person who seems to get under the Kremlin's skin unlike anyone else. Not by me! Not by me! In 2020, opposition leader Alexei Navalny seemed like he could be a real threat to Putin's unchecked power. His supporters were fired up, and they were making noise. But then, that all changed. A prominent Kremlin critic is fighting for his life after a suspected poisoning. The anti-corruption campaigner and Putin critic had been on a flight to Moscow when the pilot made an emergency landing because Navalny suddenly became very ill. Can I ask you a couple of questions? At the Vasha Commander at Ravila Navalny, was it your team that poisoned Navalny, please? Last season on this podcast, CNN's Clarissa Ward told us the remarkable story of how CNN teamed up with Navalny and data journalists at Bellingcat to uncover the Russian operatives who allegedly carried out the poisoning. Do you have any comment? He doesn't seem to want to talk to us. Now, the Kremlin and Russia's security services strongly deny they played any role in Navalny's poisoning. But Navalny and his supporters aren't buying it. The whole idea of poisoning with a chemical weapon, what the f***? This is why this is so smart. Because even reasonable people, they refuse to believe, like, what? Come on, poisoned? Seriously? That's a clip from a new CNN Films documentary called Navalny. The movie takes us behind the scenes as Navalny recovered from the poisoning in Germany before he returned to Russia, where he was promptly detained and later sentenced to nine months in a penal colony for fraud and contempt, charges Navalny says were fabricated to shut down his political ambitions. My guest today is the director of that documentary, Daniel Rohr. I talked to him about how he gained Navalny's trust, why he wants the Russian people to see the movie, and what Putin's response to Navalny tells us about his invasion of Ukraine. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Ryan. Daniel Rohr, welcome to Tug of War. Thanks for being here, and congrats on the film. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start uh, at the beginning here, because I think some of our listeners may not be totally keyed into Russian politics. Can you kind of explain who Alexei Navalny is and how he got to be such an outsized figure in Russia? Alexei Navalny, for the last, the better part of the last, I'd say, 10 years, has been the figure that most people consider to be the leader of the Russian opposition. That means he is the most prominent anti-Putin 
force domestically in Russia and has been for most of the, the last 10 years. The Putin regime is built on corruption, and Putin himself is the most corrupt. Alexei Navalny, beyond that, is a social media star in a way. He reaches his audiences through social media and YouTube and Instagram, and his command of the media is perhaps one of his greatest political gifts. And I'm sure most of your listeners won't be surprised to learn that being uh, the leader of the Russian opposition and being Vladimir Putin's number one domestic critic is indeed a very dangerous job. Yeah. I understand how system works in Russia. I understand that, uh, that Putin hates me. And Alexei narrowly survived an assassination attempt in August of 2020. He boarded a flight from the central Russian city of Tomsk to Moscow. When he suddenly came down with this bizarre illness. Soon, his cries were heard throughout the cabin. His body just shut off hmm. and he collapsed on the plane. Navalny knew exactly what had happened. Uh, turned over to the flight attendant and said to him, I was poisoned, I'm going to die. He miraculously survived, largely because the pilots of that plane made an emergency landing. And uh, when he landed, he was put in an ambulance in this small Russian town or city where they had presumed he overdosed on drugs and they gave him a shot of atrophine, which ended up being the medical intervention that saved his life. Is it your contention that Vladimir Putin must have been aware of this? Of course, 100%. It was after he was poisoned that Navalny and I met for the first time and I had to convince him to work on a documentary project with me. Yeah, I want to ask about that. How did you convince him to come into his life and document everything that was going on during that crazy time? Well, David, I had to convince Navalny of two things. First, I had to convince him of the virtue of a documentary in and of itself. Hmm. Here's a man who, through his own social media, can reach millions and millions and millions, up to hundreds of millions of people. He doesn't need a documentary filmmaker to spread his message. The second was that I was the right guy to make the film. <laughs> I don't speak a word of Russian. I'd, I've never been to Russia. Uh, my last film was a rock and roll documentary. Hmm. But what I convinced him of was that I would drop everything in my life at that moment. And I encouraged him to envision a future where he goes back to Russia, as he told me he would, he would do. And he's arrested and he's in prison and he's languishing as a political prisoner. And he needs some sort of vehicle to keep his plight in the public consciousness, to keep his name in the headlines. And what I expressed to him in that first meeting is that a documentary might just do that. And um, I, I could not have imagined a, a more compelling story and a more compelling subject to make a film about. So you know, I was so struck by how close you were to, to him during all this. Was there ever a time, and, and I think we see some of this in the in the movie, where he gets uncomfortable about having all these cameras nearby, about having you so close? What, what was that like? Well, I think one of the reasons that Navalny was such a compelling subject is because he was so game and so open um, to be on camera and to have us around. Um, I don't think that always extended to uh, his family. I think there mm. were moments when Yulia, 
was quite annoyed to have us around. But Navalny himself's greatest, greatest asset, I think, is, is his um, willingness to talk about anything. There was nothing that was off limits. Um, there was nothing that I couldn't ask him about that he wouldn't discuss. And I think that openness really comes through in the film. Yeah, you kind of push him on some of his past ties to kind of far-right figures in, in Russia. And it, it was fascinating to kind of see him grapple with some of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, here's a guy who is aspiring to be the president of the biggest country in the world. That's ultimately his ambition. And he's a man who must be scrutinized. Uh, so I, I viewed it as my role and responsibility to question him. And, you know, that regard, especially about his past flirtation with far right figures in the country, this is something that's been controversial and that demands to be scrutinized. Can you briefly describe the way that Navalny and his team and Bellingcat eventually worked to uncover the story behind his poisoning and how they kind of took it upon themselves to investigate this amidst all the denials from Russia that we hear to this day? Well, I think the first thing we have to understand about this entire film project is that it's predicated and built on the work of a Bulgarian investigative journalist called Christo Grozev. So we realized there's nobody who's going to actually actively investigate this unless we jump into this. Christo is sort of this Sherlock Holmes for the digital era, super genius who speaks 10 languages and has quite brilliantly figured out how to use corruption in Russia to expose state secrets. We knew that the poison was Novichok. And Novichok, we had proven in the previous investigation, is only manufactured in this facility called the Signal Institute. And he does that by leveraging the Russian data market. So what we did is we bought from the Russian black market the phone records for the head of the Signal Institute. The Russian data market is an illegal black market of information where any individual can go online and contact a, a, a data broker um, who can sell them a piece of information. That could be phone records. But once we have a suspicious number, you go through a number of Russian apps that allow you to see how that phone number is listed in other people's phone books. That could be doctor reports from hospitals. That can be train tickets or passenger logs. And what you're able to do if you have access to this information is to forensically piece together the movements of anyone with a cell phone. First number I looked up showed up as Alexei, doctor from FSB. And that's exactly what Christo does. And we found out an actual Alexei Alexandrov who owns a car, and this number was listed for contacting that person. And using this ingenious investigative method, he was able to piece together the movements of all the men on the kill team. You repeat that many times with the other suspicious numbers, and then you have a short list of interesting people. And these became our prime suspects. And how has Russia responded to the film? What is what has the reaction been uh, from them? I know you've talked about wanting people in Russia to see it. Well, my understanding is that the Kremlin's not happy with this film. Putin was personally furious about the film and ordered it to be taken down from the Russian torrent sites. But yeah, of course, a, a very important priority of, of ours is to have as many people in the country see the film. That proves to be increasingly difficult as we're having to battle censorship and now sanctions and all of these things to get the film seen. But we're working on a plan to make it available in the country. 
Do you have any fear for yourself uh, being the director of this project uh, at, at Russia coming after you in some way? The Russians are very good at trying to um, assassinate someone's character, to um, put out fake news stories. But I can't say that I'm afraid of these things. Uh, it is what it is. And when I took on this job and when I first met with Alexei, I understood that being in the proximity of this guy uh, meant that I might be under the scrutiny of the Russian security apparatuses. And that's a bit, you know, scary, but Navalny and, and his staff are so brave and courageous that I think their personal courage proliferated through uh, my, my colleagues and the crew and the entire production. You mentioned how, you know, charismatic Navalny is, and we see it in, in the film. He's kind of filming his own videos, filming his own stand-ups, kind of running through scripts and making sure, you know, stories are posted on time, really doing all this himself. You know, it kind of reminds me of an influencer, honestly, and, and, and I think that's kind of how he's seen by some. As somebody yourself who tells stories through video and, you know, through media like this, did you kind of pick up anything from watching him work as he tries to get his message out to his followers? Well, I would say that I'm someone who's very interested in politics. And I've often, you know, for a long time, dreamed about running for office back home in Canada, running for parliament one day. Hmm. That's been an aspiration of mine since I was quite young. Um, and I think I learned more from Alexei about politics um, and the nature of being a politician than I did from, about social media or getting your message out there. And the, the one thing I might have spoken to earlier that I really admire about Alexei is his um, capacity to debate and discuss issues and his willingness to discuss everything. Navalny is someone who believes in a democratic society, everything should be up for discussion and debate. And that's very important for a healthy society. And um, he and I sort of bonded over that. We really enjoyed spending time talking about politics or arguing about censorship um, or these sorts of issues. Uh, and an important part of my political philosophy now is the, the value of discussing things, even when you don't like those people you have to discuss with. Um, it's, it, dialogue is always important. And that's, of course, the complete polar opposite in a place like Russia, where the dominant thought is usually all there is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you can go to jail in Russia for having opinions, political opinions. You can be murdered for it. Um, and Alexei offers a vision of a country where democracy, freedom of expression, rule of law are baked into the constitution of the nation. These are things that someone like me who grew up in Canada um, take for granted. But in a place like Russia, there has never been a tradition or history of democracy. There have never been free and fair and open elections. Um, and these are all things that Navalny is aspiring towards. More of my conversation with Daniel Rohr after the break. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. 
All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I want to talk about the invasion of Ukraine here as it relates to your film. It was completed before the invasion began and Russia went in. Do you see it as kind of, you know, an unintentional kind of prequel, you know, the events that Navalny went through to what we're seeing now on the ground in Ukraine? I think that if we had to change the name of the film, we'd call it the I Told You So film. Uh, All of the behavior that we're seeing from the Kremlin now and in these last two or three months, you know, were mirrored in the events of this film. The lying, the deception, the violence and the murder. um, These are things that Navalny has been calling out um, for a decade now. And the world didn't listen. Think about all the opportunities the world had to stop Putin. They didn't do anything when he annexed Crimea in 2014. They didn't do anything when he uh, tried to murder Navalny with chemical weapons or when he suppressed freedom of speech. Um, And so this is a failure of the entire world. I mean, the the tragedy of it is unimaginable, and it's it's just so staggeringly sad that that this is happening. So Navalny is currently in in prison and and little is kind of known about his condition. When was the last time you spoke to him? I last spoke to Navalny on January 17th, 2021 in Berlin, Germany. Oh, before he even went back to Russia. I last spoke to him the morning he went back. Hmm. I guess I'm wondering what, what would you, if you were able to talk to him, what would you want to talk about besides, you know, how, how are you doing? And is your, are you in good health? What, what's kind of on your, your mind? Well, I wrote him a letter once. I don't know if he ever got it. You know, anyone can send a letter to prison colony number two. Yeah. I don't know if it made it through. But I gave him uh, an update on uh, the last Canadian election which might sound very boring to many of your listeners, but for someone like Navalny, who is so passionate about politics and democracy uh, and so interested in the political process writ large, I knew it would be something that he would be quite fascinated to hear more about. Um, And so when I write to him, or if I write to him, it's mainly just about sort of politics that he might not have access to, you know, things like this. I keep him uh, uh, up to date on what's going on in the Canadian political scene. At the end of the film, you you ask him what his message would be if he were killed, and you, he answers in English, and then you ask him to say it in Russian. Uh, wh- why'd you ask him to do it that way? Well, when I first shot that, I asked him to do it in Russian because the answer he gave me in English was so lame. For the uh, situation when I am killed, it's very simple. Not give up. Do me a favor, answer this one in Russian. And I wanted him to give me a better answer. And I thought maybe if I asked him to do it in Russian, he'd give me a better answer, which he actually delivered on. But now I understand that it works on another level. This is um, a a film that was made for uh, Western audiences. But I think it was critical that the final 
message or word or thought or thesis of the film was him speaking to his people, directing a message to the Russian people in Russian. I thought that the power of that was quite significant um, and symbolic as he is now in prison in a gulag outside of Moscow. Uh, let, let the last word of this would-be president be to his people. I'm curious because he, he kind of mentions this that if he were to be, God forbid, killed, it would, it would not be in the Kremlin's favor for something like that to happen, that it could galvanize even more support than it already has. Uh, what what do you think would happen if, if God forbid, he were, he were to die in prison or elsewhere? Well, I think if you spend enough time working with Navalny, you learn to have hope and optimism for the future, no matter how bleak things can be. Um, and what I hope is that Alexei Navalny is able to one day get out of prison and that he is able to compete in a competitive, free, and fair democratic election for the Russian presidency. I don't know if he'll win that election. I don't know if he'd be a great president. Oftentimes, history shows us that those who are in opposition don't always translate to effective uh, presidents. But I think Alexei has all the qualities of a, of a good leader, and I hope he has the chance to uh, run in a free and fair election for the Russian presidency someday sooner than later. Daniel Rohr, the documentary is called Navalny. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, David. You can watch Navalny tonight, April 24th at 9 p.m. on CNN and look for it on HBO Max later this year. That's it for us today. But for real-time updates on the war in Ukraine, you can subscribe to CNN Five Things wherever you listen. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by me, David Rind, along with Audrey Horwitz, Nathan Miller, and Paolo Ortiz. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer, and Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Special thanks to Ashley Lusk and Elizabeth Roberts. I'll talk to you next time. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.